A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors, who will offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Do the thing, Michael. Well, I've got a question for you, actually, because oh. I've forgotten. Do you have to be in Leeds to use them? Oh, hell no. No, you can use them all over the place and across the UK. Do you know why that is? Uh, they're willing to travel. Very no. accommodating. You can do online appointments. Ah. You do like, like video conference calls, which is great. And there's an online booking system as well. So you can do that too. Just think of somewhere in the UK you could use them for their many, many services. Um, I'll give you one for Dingwall. Good. Uh, Durham. Royal Porth. <laughs> Thank you, Moscow. Excellent. Uh, yeah, just and just say the, the three favourites, just so everyone gets the oh, um, the wills of probate, the conveyances. Yeah, dispute resolution. The, the big three. Yeah, the big three as they're known. Um, stuff for your business, stuff for you personally. Uh, please do support them because they're great. They support us. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. It is Dan. It's Michael. It's Moscow here on the weekly show uh, where we dive into the the world of Leeds United news and, and crown some heroes and villains and look forward to another football match. They keep coming, don't they, this season? I'm afraid they do. Yeah, they do. They'll stop. They'll stop soon. I'm pretty sure. And you can pay to watch it next season. You can pay more than this season to watch it. Potentially, if we go down, you don't have to. And the cost per game plummets, doesn't it? If we go down, mm. so good. Looking after us in many ways, aren't they? By getting relegated. Mm. Uh, so yeah, season tickets, ten percent across the board increase. Uh, how do you feel about it? You're the king of cost cutting. I don't know why you're looking at uh, anybody else. I mean, my 20-year season ticket, I did look this up, I've still got two more years left on it. So uh, Still going, that is it? Still going, still going. Um, I mean, in, in one respect, you kind of go, all right, well, it's sort of expected, but you also go, everything's expensive and we're shit. <laughs> yeah. So don't expect people to be grateful about it. There you go then, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I understand the business case for it because it's that stark reminder, isn't it, that this is the Premier League and Leeds United is a business... It's not a charity. There's a business case for it because I'm sure their costs have increased, but I'm not here to make the business case for Leeds United. They've done that on the website. Didn't tweet it out, though. I noticed that at the yeah, time. Yeah, I've enjoyed how every tweet since people have been in the replies going, tweet about the season tickets, you cowards. <laughs> which is which is quite pleasing. Yeah, I'm not here to make the business case for Leeds United. I'm here to say, no, nah, don't increase the cost of anything. I'm glad that everyone at Leeds United had a 10% pay rise, though. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good for them. I mean, the business case doesn't really massively stack up Anyway, when you take the the amount of money that they'll get from this 10% increase and set it against, one, the amount of money that comes in from broadcasting and Premier League and everything else anyways, it's pretty much a drop. And then set it against the amount of money that they shovel into the pockets of the players, for example. I was were, gonna, were you going to pick a victim then? Yeah, I was thinking, but let's just in general, it's just the whole thing is, a, is sort of quite a ludicrous situation it's like on the one hand what difference well no it's all one hand it's just one big hand <laughs> we don't need two hands for this what difference does 10% on season tickets make compared to the amount of money that is given to name any player and sell them you'd probably get more money from just like letting a player leave mm. so it's kind of where's the real advantage in just scalping another 10% out of the the fan base Leeds will not be, I think it's important, Leeds won't be unique in this. I'm sure every club in the Premier League will all be putting their prices up as well. But it is the, um, and they will all be saying that it's the the cost of living crisis or the cost of putting a game on crisis, cost of keeping the floodlights on crisis and paying for all the fuel. But again, sell the player or stop paying the players like more money than you earn. What what you're talking about there is a a logical structure, though, which football doesn't operate within, does it? No. I mean, every time this comes around, it's it's funny. Bielsa answered it perfectly at the time. He said, 
when he, while he was at Leeds, he, in one of his, probably several of his press conferences, he said that the only way to fix football is for everybody involved to agree to be paid less. And then everything, from then, once that's decided, everything from there improves yeah. um, because the amount agreed is reduced and the amount of money that you have to take from the fans goes down. The, the number of clubs that are trying to pay more than they earn to have a good team goes away and it just like from there everything gets better you're saying that you um the second stage is you take that money and you put it into producing more good footballers because the more good footballers there are the less money you have to pay the few who are any good and then also there's more because there's a supply and demand just means that the wages will go down and then the football at all levels is better to watch so everything just begins if we just you know, if we stopped paying, I mean, Gareth Baird is probably, I mean, he's not with us anymore, but <laughs> in the, in the he sport. Is, he is still around. Um, on £500,000 a week, it's just like how, like, it's ludicrous. And the whole game, getting it into this situation where it's decided that half a million pounds a week to a footballer is a good idea. Like, Gareth Bale would still be a good footballer if you paid him £50,000 a week. And he'd still be a very rich, good footballer. And nobody would have to pay £2,000 for a season ticket as they do at Tottenham. It's funny looking at the example of Barcelona because they are the biggest example out there, aren't they? Of like a club that is still trying to spend money on transfers, still paying a huge amount of wages. And everyone's saying, you're completely like you're broke. You're breaking all the financial rules in your league. Just stop doing it. But quite, I mean, quite apart from the moral argument, um, which I understand fine. It is worth saying as well. It's not like Bielsa was working for free or was the one who led from the front saying, pay me less. Well, because that wouldn't have done any good. All that would have done is, like, he would have been paid less. That's, yeah. that's basically what happens when uh, any any celebrity expresses a slightly left-wing opinion, isn't it? People go, well, give all your money away then. Yeah, like, no, yeah. but that, that just makes me, that would just make me poorer. It would do nothing to, yeah. <laughs> to solve the actual but problem. I was just going to say, quite, I mean, should be fixed. understanding the moral argument as it is, and I just, just it's not even a moral argument. It is literally, it's about yeah. the game surviving, because if it keeps doing this of just like raising more money oh, I want it to go back and giving it to, and giving it to to the players all that happens is that we just have a bunch of players retiring at 30 who are unfeasibly rich and that's it yeah i mean it is an entertainment industry isn't it and you you will get paid what you can get paid by it, it yeah it's the fact that the industry itself is kind of just wanting to throw all that money away isn't it well, this is it the industry itself needs to make some decisions about where the money goes well, we are seeing that though with the, the football regulator potentially coming in in the UK. With Angus like, Kinnear is, you know, yeah. screaming like that it's a terrible example of Maoism being imposed upon the game, and that what what I mean, Kinnear's view was actually that um, if football clubs go bust, it's their own fault, and they should just be replaced by better ones. Mm. Although that um, view that view was expressed when we were mid comfortably mid table in the Premier League, wasn't it? I wonder if. Um... Well, exactly. Back and, on that well, now bit. he's desperately <laughs> trying to put 10% on the season tickets to avoid that fate. But maybe better run football, I mean, it's the whole principle, better run football clubs take the, the place of the badly run football clubs. Some of us, those of us who, you know, think, feel emotionally or with a little bit of soul about our clubs, think perhaps there's a, a, a way of not just dispassionately letting them all rot and die just because they can't balance the books in this insane industry. But yeah, the football regulator is one way of doing that, of ensuring that all the clubs are um, working within their means. Kinnear doesn't like that idea. He'd rather that they just, you know, the market dictated. So that's, uh, I don't think he's particularly somebody to look for, for sense. We put the prices up 10% last year and then another 10% this year, which when compounded is just shy of 21%, which is a lot of increase for a period that has coincided with us being absolute dog shit on the pitch, broadly speaking. And the same people that are now asking us to pay more are the ones that have overseen this shit. It's quite a hard sell, isn't it? It is a bit. I mean, I suppose you can balance it by saying they didn't go up for a lot of years, but then they didn't go up for, they didn't need to go up for a lot of years because when did Bates set his, was it like 2006? He came in and just went, no, these season mm-hmm. ticket prices should be the third most expensive in the whole country I'm or something, say, I'm something f- ridiculous. I'm fairly sure the guide to that we've done this week, which is about the John Carver, the glorious John Carver reign, because mm-hmm. obviously we've just replaced a, an interim manager in, in Scoobs, a caretaker manager with Javi Gracia, and uh, we wanted to look back on a similar era 
when John Carver came in and it wasn't necessarily all that glorious but I think it was about that time we were talking weren't we about £700 season tickets something mm. crazy like and, that and showing the attendances of 16,500 yeah. people there for, uh, for a Premier minute, League yeah. football Premier League prices <laughs> He saved Leeds United. And we paid Premier League prices, but we didn't get Premier we League got, football. We and got then, John Carver. And then when we got the Premier League football, we were still paying what but by that point had become prices more aligned with the championship. So we are, you know, we are down the league. Like Arsenal's cheapest adult is £926.50. Our cheapest is uh, 400 and I can't follow the line across 50-ish. I mean, our, our prices are kind of all over the place as well, aren't they? Because they're based on if you when you got the ticket originally, aren't they? Because you got your renewal price was always different to someone else, so you might be someone might. Was, someone two, was it two years that there was? Like can't it, remember. It, yeah, it, so it was supposed to tear down over the course of two years, but then people found when they got to the end of the the, t- the taper down that it actually didn't revert to the same price as everyone else. Mm. It was just kind of frozen at that level, which was is confusing because I've seen it's only anecdotal evidence, but people are saying on on Twitter and on the forums and stuff like that that. I think I saw one in particular where there's a bloke saying him and his wife who sit next to each other in adjacent seats, which you would generally imagine to be the case, mm. are paying like 150 quid difference between the two tickets for identical seats because of the renewal and the tapering and then the freezing and God mm. knows. So it feels like it's probably all got a bit a bit messy and could do with tidying up. That's one one problem, but it's a, perhaps a different one mm. to this. Don't encourage them to make it expensive for everyone. Though. Well, that's it. Leeds, I think, have they have quite a big headache here and quite a problem that is in one sense for them is nice to have but for us uh, being on there the legacy fans perhaps is a is a problem it's also a problem for them basically they've got this 20,000 person waiting list for season tickets who are new people which was mentioned in the, uh, yes. the article as well Do, oh, if you don't dangle, renew if you don't renew these people are waiting which felt a little bit was it passive aggressive I don't know or was it just a statement of fact but from the club's point of view I wonder what the uh, the kind of what they're thinking is about that 20,000 person waiting list because what we don't have at Leeds particularly, although the the attendances went up in the championship, as I mean, as soon as Gary Monk raised even a, a whisper of us being a good team, suddenly we were 32,000 in the stadium and Thomas Christensen started to turn the stadium out and then Paul Heckenbottom did his best to change things. And then <laughs> um, from the moment Bielsa arrived, bang, full stadium. So although we're now three years into the Premier League, that's not a stadium full of new generation Premier League fans who've been watching Sky and Match of the Day growing up and have got loads of money in their pocket that they want to spend in an exciting Premier League environment. It's the same old boring bastards who've been watching Leeds for years, uh, hating most of the time, uh, resenting their presence in the stadium, who want to turn up, fold their arms, and if Leeds aren't any good, then they'll moan about it. And, you know, I'm being disparaging about our hardcore. I am one of those people who has come all the way through from 2000, I think was my first season ticket. Basically, there's a lot of people who've been there a long time who are not necessarily the demographic that the club would love to be um, advertising to with its new exciting partners who come in and flogging merch to and flogging drinks to, flogging food to. There's not really a lot of point in putting in a cheese room in the cheese wedge when I don't think anybody in the cheese wedge would want a cheese room but who on the season ticket waiting list who is a new fan who is a Premier League fan would be more interested in that kind of future yeah. and how keen might the club be to get those people into the same it's the whole point of yeah, the I mean, argument of those are some sweeping generalisations no, but I don't, I don't disagree with you either I so. think it's I mean it's, they're not generalisations it's more I think there's a there's a problem for Leeds of how to capitalise on being a Premier League club but, when they cannot get any new people into the Well, I was going to say they need a bigger stadium. It comes back to that. But then again, we're seeing, you know, we've seen a 20, nearly 21% compound interest, compound interest, compound rise over the course of two years um, for a stadium that is falling apart and the facilities are fucking awful. I mean, yeah, on the facilities, like the cop has not changed since I've been in there. Like, yeah. To the point where the urinals still have the get your tackle tested, get a free te- chlamydia test from Leeds Council or whatever it was. Did you get I'm yours? All clear, mate. All good. All good. Oh, not, um, I don't think it's available anymore. Disease-free since 2003. <laughs> but like, they, they, these are just stickers on the urinal and they have been there for a decade. Mm. Like, just scrape them off. It's just, and to the extent where you still, there's like, there's just complete decay in there. Like, there's, do you want everyone to get chlamydia? <laughs> you can probably get them from the bloody cop toilets, to be honest. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be touching the taps in there. 
But like nothing has improved for your average fan. I know the club have spent money on corporate areas and stuff during this time and all the, the West Stand suites have been redone and the East Stand is obviously now post-Bates, the, the big corporate area. And I understand that that is something that needs doing and those are the people who pay a premium for it. But like, you still can't really get a pint and stuff. It's yeah. just it's just really, really shit. Well, did you see the, the tweets from um, Nath from the Brudenell Social Club who posted photos of, of him having to go behind the counter inside the stadium to fix the boiler because the staff couldn't serve hot water. Mm. This is the situation that we're in. And you're, ask, you're asking for nearly 21% more over the course of two yeah. years for the same shit. And mm. when you talk about improvements, since, so since those chlamydia stickers were placed on the urinals, we can go through Bates making himself a nice palace in the East Stand and then Cellino coming in. Did Cellino move it back? to the, He refurbished it in the East Stand, didn't he? So Cellino redid let's call all it a, that. Let's call that a party room. Well, he had, uh, <laughs> he's the one who put down the, uh, all the carpets that are like football pitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that got redone. Lots of clean surfaces they put in there as well. Lots of, uh, mm-hmm. And then that got redone. And then, uh, Andrea Radrizzani came in and moved all that back to the West Stand. So all that got redone and it's very nice. So the owner's bits have been done several times in the last decade and a bit. Um, so that's not been a problem. So there's, there's really no, you know, it doesn't seem to be difficult to refurbish a football stadium when the bit that uh, the owner is going to sit in needs some attention or even doesn't need some attention, but it is the rest of the place that is uh, suffering. And it is, it's, it's all, what I was trying to get out before is it's all this kind of situation that's coming together where, you know, the stadium is falling apart, the, it's not nice, and then you've got all these people who want to come, but you can't get any of them in. None of the kind of the Premier League advantages that should the club should be seizing upon to make money in a what you call it a discretionary way because the season ticket isn't you want you have to have one if you want to get to a game now um so it is almost a form of blackmail you know if you if you don't have this you will never see Leeds United again whereas if it is the drinks the food that's something you can make a decision on when you go to the stadium do I want to buy something so it's it's less of a it's less of a pie tax style uh, situation but they can't they can't take advantage of any of that because I don't know why. Maybe it's because they. Well, the facility is just that the, the infrastructure does not allow for it, which explains why the 49ers then, are yeah. selling themselves on coming in and basically starting again from scratch. But it does make you said, wonder. Because Kinnear said on our show, didn't he, that mm. it will be the whole stadium gets redone, perhaps with the exception of the East Stand, which will get tarted up. Yeah, he said we'd be we would probably be starting on planning permission about now, and it's not. Well, they might have done something and stopped short of putting the planning permission in because Mm. that would bring about plans, wouldn't it? And they probably don't want those to get in the public domain until until we've got Premier League status assured and takeover and all that shit. But even then, improving what's there seems to be something that could have been given some attention that would then justify these things. And it seemed, another thing that Angus Kinnear said when he was um, on the podcast, and it's something that sort of kept recurring as a theme, was he kept talking about how uh, things are very expensive. Like to do that, oh, that would, that would cost a lot of money. And um, one of them was the uh, the sight lines in the east stand, in the lower, that it's still the low oh, fields. Like, you mean like regrading it? Yeah, it's yeah. still the low fields terracing uh, that they basically bolted seats to in 1993. And um, so nobody's got any comfortable leg room and the sight lines are pretty bad and it's not a comfortable place to sit. It's also the place that's probably going to last the longest in the stadium because that'll be the last bit that you refer because it's the newest bit. And he was saying that, they looked into regrading that and I think he said that it was going to cost something like four million quid and so it's like, that's a lot of money. I think, well, it is. But also you could spend it and then for as long as the stand is there, it's better. But then, I'm not, this is not me trying to defend the club, defend the club's position, but that's an abstract concept you're talking about and we don't It's have, not an abstract concept, no, no, it's I mean, improving something no, that's, no, no. that's concrete, I mean, literal concrete. What I mean in the, in the sense that we don't know where else money has been diverted. We don't know what the limits are on the investment of the ownership, do we, up to this point? Well, exactly, but so we I'm do... Saying, I'm just saying it's, it's a concept in the sense that, yeah, it probably needs doing, mm. but we don't know what the actual real-world circumstances are that surround it. Well, we do know that the real-world circumstances are that it's a football club with a very high turnover and a lot of money that well, could pay £4 million pounds well, to do something say, like that and would have a better stadium in which its fans would be happier and might be more willing to spend more time and yeah. spend more money and it would be a means of... and Make the environment better, people will spend more, yeah. And just be happier and, you know, it might be, you know, what is the, 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 the cost benefit on having football fans having a nice time well, that's it, it's in a, a football it, it's stadium? It's Angus Guinea who said 
a few times that is it Tottenham's match day revenue is like five million pounds per mm. game. Well, if you want to increase that, make the place better. Yeah, yeah. But, exactly. But um, the other and don't go well. Well, that would be expensive if we made it better. But yeah, I was going to say the underlying point. Make a billion pounds. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, well, was Rodrigo say- was expensive, and you know, the players Junior Firpo was expensive. It's all expensive. If you're not into expensive things, I don't know what you're doing at a Premier League football club. It That's all true. costs ridiculous. I mean, the season tickets are expensive. Well, I was, I was just going to say, actually, just to bring us back to to that point, it, when you stack up the TV money versus the, the ticket revenue, it's a drop in the ocean, isn't it? And that's probably the single issue around which you could say, well, did they need to go up by another 10% now? Was there no way of absorbing the costs? You know, because we, I mean, we know, we know, we run a business here, we sell t-shirts and stuff, and all our costs have gone up, our postage costs have gone up, the cost of printing stuff has gone up, but we've basically absorbed it up to a point. So I, that's what I meant before when I said you can make the business case for it in terms of pure numbers on the spreadsheet, but it's about what it says, isn't it? In the, in the, sort of, in the context of where Leeds United are and... Well, the happiness of the fan base. I mean, to look at it in a... Which they've acknowledged in the, in the statement on the website. To look at it in a purely businessy way, it does sell out. So Supply and demand. Loads of people want to come. People will buy one because they want to go see us play Scum and Liverpool and Arsenal next year if we stay up. If, if, we, if they were doing these with a 10% rise, I know they've said about the relegation, but if they were trying to sell season tickets again at the end of the season and we'd gone down, it would be interesting to see what happened and see what percentage of that 21,000 waiting list evaporates when people when people go you do realize this is going to be this is going to be ready on a Tuesday on and that, you go mm, on that you know the um, yeah. the, re- the relegation refund that they've promised in other words the 10% will not be applied i think they've actually made a bit of a rod for their own back with that it's a well it's a well-intentioned gesture that acknowledges the position the club is in but it does then lend itself to the suggestion that the 10% increase is very much just a choice Mm. You know, yeah. so if, they, if they're prepared to absorb the cost if we go down, when revenues plummet in but the then, championship, but then the other way is that fans are willing to absorb the ten percent rise for staying in the Premier League. Yeah, it's I like, mean, and the other side to that is that we could get to the summer if we stay up by the skin of our teeth, whatever, whatever it might be. Forty nine has come in July the first. We've got a few new signings, and suddenly you go, well, do you know what? Ten percent looks fine at this particular moment in time. You go, it looks shit. I think mm. the football in general just has a hard case uh, to keep. Well, it has an it has a hard case to some of us to keep putting the prices up because the you know the game doesn't appreciate appreciatively change. It's not like is the football going to be ten percent better? You're right though. Everything just season. gets just everything just gets more expensive. It just gets it? More wages, expensive. players. Yeah, yeah. But the um, but the case that the the clubs have is that they can always find somebody to pay it. So it's like if you don't pay it, somebody else will, and that's why they can keep putting prices up and up and up. And they've yet to find. It's strange. They've yet to find the point where prices go so high that they can't fill the stadium anymore. The Premier League is selling out everywhere, every week, even though the prices are astronomical. So people will just keep, they keep finding these mugs who will pay ever-increasing prices. So from the club's point of view... Mugs? Do you say mugs? <laughs> please so buy a mug. Yeah, please buy a mug. <laughs> from the club's point of view, they don't have a problem. Have we, put the, have we put the Steady prices of those on my tongues? Uh, I don't know. From the club's point of view... <laughs> we should hike them by 20%. From the club's point of view, they don't have a problem because they can just keep charging more and people will keep paying it. But the the problem that they have the other way is that they don't seem able to hold on to that money in any sensible way and they can't find four million to regrade part of the stadium to make it better because they've spent it all on a loan fee for a midfielder and it's just like that part of the game is... Uh, re- and it's, it's an argument with the whole Super League concept at the moment. If you look at the and the World Cup as well. The Champions League, the World Cup, they're all great. The World Cup as a as a sporting spectacle couldn't be better. So what do they want to do for the next one? Change everything so it makes more money. And then do it every two years. It made billions, yeah. but they're like, no, and they're all, and the whole the Champions League, I don't think the Champions League does not make money or does not put on exciting games of football, but they're all like, oh no, we need to just tear this whole thing down. Why? To make some more money out of it. It's like, you're making billions. No, yeah, but we're giving it all to these 20-year-old kids <laughs> and they can kick a ball yeah. and their agents and so we don't know what to do and it, and it's just it has that feeling of a bubble going to burst in general we've reached it, has, it has had that feeling for about 20 years though I was just yeah. going to say we've, we've reached that point again where we just say just tear it all down aren't we well, it's more um, <laughs> it's more like a just going to be a, a tremendous act of self-harm at, at some point because that's what the Super League and so on is going to be it's like they've got something really really good and it seems like football is more determined, growing more determined with every passing season. 
to ruin what they've got that is good in every respect yeah. um, for something that they imagine could be better when the real sensible way of giving themselves all like a sustainable, rich future. Imagine like if you owned a football club and you didn't have to give all the money to Neymar, you could just keep it. Like, I don't understand what the, what the, the fucking fascination is with all these football club owners. It's like, I want to make as much, much money as possible and then give it all to Neymar. Just keep it. But it's, it's, like, it's, it's an arms race though, isn't it? Well, it was a bit like when, when Chelsea were bought. How much did they pay from? Four billion, billion or something. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you think, but, but why? They don't make any money. Well, that's... Like, <laughs> like it's a weird thing. They, they just, they do, they have a big turnover, but they don't actually make any money. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like going in and buying Apple or something that you go, okay, right, they sell these things, make fucking loads of money everywhere. If you get an Amazon, you kind of think, okay, Brilliant! Already, already churning over loads of money. It's like Chelsea is worth money because at some point it's worth it money. Might... It's worth money because it generates revenue. But like, it's, it's based on revenue, isn't it? But it's, yeah. it's not based on profitability. It's, it's, based it's a money on, pit. It'll at some point be profitable if they can engineer a position where you start introducing things like super leagues and salary caps, and you can you can essentially own a brand at some point. The 49ers are probably within this same sphere of thinking as well. But they can think, well, if we can get in now, when we can still sort of afford it, because for in US sports terms, football clubs are fairly yeah, cheap, yeah. particularly someone like Leeds who are going to be kind of under the 500 million mark. I was going to say if they get the whole thing for like 300 million as is, as is rumoured, you know, when you factor in the cheaper shares that they got before mm. plus what they're supposed to be buying this summer, about 300 million and then, and then if they sell it at one and a half billion in another 10 years time, then they're, they're laughing, aren't well, they? Scum are on sale at seven billion, mm. aren't they? So Chelsea has been bought at four, Scum is for sale at seven and the 49ers are irrelevant to this because there's the whole question of why do they have to be a consortium? You know, why can't we just be bought by one kind person? That nobody, there are very few kind people anymore who can actually afford to buy a Premier League football club. It either has to be a state or a consortium because nobody just has four billion quid to just buy a football club and just run it themselves. So Todd Bowley will be the the front person for a load of other people because they've all had to chip in. Well, it's like there's Clear Lake, isn't there, which is a financial investment. It's the same as yep. what Leeds are proposing. And it's, and it's being proposed because there is no longer a workable way of buying a football club as an individual anymore. It's just like, it, so it has to be this because football has inflated itself to the point where there are no more buyers. And the, the idea that Chelsea have is, that, is partly that because NFL clubs are worth and make so much more money than Premier League clubs. So they think they can grow the revenue in the Premier League to match the NFL, which makes far fewer games are played, but the whole thing is just somehow, somehow so much bigger in terms of broadcasting is the big thing where there's, there's still loads of, of growth. But then once they do all that, having bought Chelsea for 4 billion, they can sell it for 8 billion. Scum are already on sale for 7, so it's not even that big a leap. But then the question is, who's going to buy it at 8 billion? You start to run out of buyers and that's where this whole race was like, let's just make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more expensive just becomes like, well, okay, you've made it the most expensive thing in the world. Now, who is going to buy it off you so you can actually make some money off it? Nobody left. <laughs> <laughs> and that's hopefully when the bubble will burst. <laughs> but it is relevant. I think part of that is, uh, so the 49ers part in in all this, in the kind of the ticketing problems that Leeds have, the state of Elland Road, the demographic shifts, the Premier League future, the, uh, the, the broadcasting deals, the value of the club compared to what it could be worth if they wanted to sell it, probably within a day of buying it at the, the price that they're believed to be paying, why they're a consortium instead of it just being one person, what an NFL-experienced owner, because if Parag Marathe is seriously involved in heading it up, he is very involved with the 49ers. He's, uh, it's a, he's a sporting exec as well as the, at the head of the Enterprises part. All that stuff is like, that's where it's all coming into. So it's kind of, um, I think I said this before, that we may look back on the shambles that um, Radritzani's ownership has become in the last two years as kind of like a sweet golden age when, uh, <laughs> when the, the, you know, when the, uh, the, the beer was piss and the boilers didn't work, but you could buy a ticket and the, the ticket prices. And there wasn't a cheese room because we didn't want a cheese room. I want seven pound pints of craft ale in there in my cheese room. That's what I want. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, if it... Will it be craft ale or will it just be Foster's at £14 a, <laughs> yeah. uh, a half? So Probably. it's um, whoever pays the most money to get their name inside the uh, stadium and on the pumps. We are still mid table Premier League price wise. It is only fair to say that. Mm. It's kind of, we, we've mainly just been talking about the general shit show of it all. So we're sort of in the middle. It's kind of <laughs> great. <laughs> there was an opportunity to be nice with the 10% increase, wasn't there? And just be like, times are hard. We don't need that 10%. 
just pay the same next year. But remember how nice we are. Like really remember the goodwill, which will probably last about two minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, not, we'll, we'll like, is and we'll go like, what we'll do is we'll just have, um, well, maybe the executives are all going to take a performance-related pay cut and we'll sell a couple of players um, who we don't like and fine. I mean, what, what is the, what's the revenue? I'm now trying to weigh it up. The, what's the 10% on the season ticket revenue? I've seen the number. It's about 1.8 million or something like right. that. Right, so it's half what we've right. agreed to sell Tyler Roberts to QPR for. Right. Isn't yeah. it? So just to sell Tyler... <laughs> like, and then people, coming from you that is um, yeah exactly is really then, something. well it's the one thing that might p- make people warm to him again if the club <laughs> said instead of putting season tickets up 10% we're selling Tyler Roberts and putting them down 10% mm. because he's making twice as much money off that transfer as we would have done everybody would then love Tyler he'd be a Leeds legend we'd have to take some of the savings to build a statue um, and they could put a little picture of his face on the every time you scan your card as you go in or your phone um, as you go into the stadium now, Tyler's face could appear on the little digital screen saying thank you for your custom and your long support. So there, solved it. I don't know why I am not running all the Premier League clubs. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Brighton. Mm. We've got them at home at the weekend. Uh, It was do or die this time last year. And Joffy and his little scoop uh, across the legs of, was it? Who was it? Was it Cucurello? Is it Dunk? Was it Dunk flailing about on the floor, I think? But yeah, that was nice. And then it was the big pirate at the back post, wasn't it? Mm. We we did actually hear from an insider that Pascal now knows we call him the big sexy pirate and he likes it. So if you see him, feel free to shout it at him. Presumably his parrot likes it as well. Yeah, we don't know if, we don't know how well he is yet, do we? He's still not recovered from Marcus Rashford smacking a football at his head. No, Marcus Rashford supposed to be a nice guy, isn't he? Mm. Now look. So cold. <laughs> So-called MBE. <laughs> Pathetic. But yeah, Ellen Road was probably just about to be set on fire, I think, at that point last year before when uh, when Joffy did his bit of magic because we were looking quite relegated at that point, weren't we? And then that last-minute point just just kept us in it and then we somehow stayed up. Imagine we get all that excitement again over the next mm. couple of months. Oh. The dream come true it's going to be. Uh, they're good at Brighton, aren't they? Yeah, just ticking over. Have you had a word with them, Moscow? Because I'd look at the table... And they've they've gone beyond their nine wins that they've allocated. How far are they now? Let's that, I think like eleven or twelve. I'll I think. have a look for you. They've won eleven there's, games. There's loads left as well. They've they did got, this last season. They've got fifteen they? games left to get more wins over and above their allocated nine from the Premier League. Do you know what? If we got we got some of their allocated nine, if we got to mm. their if we got to their allocated nine this season, I'd be quite happy. Mm. It seems a bit unreasonable that they're so good. Mm. Can't really resent it either because they're not mm. like the clubs that we like traditionally hate. I don't think they were. We were fond of each other in League One, but it's also kind of 
you can't really uh, object to what they're doing because you remember being in League One with them. I go, like, oh, fair play. Like, <laughs> we, we, good work, lads, because we made a mess of it. Because well, they've they've recruited well, even when they've sold, their recruitment has been excellent. The 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 backfill, if you wanted to call it that, has been good when they've got rid of players and they've progressed steadily season on season. They have, a, they have a clear idea of what they're doing because they don't seem to really care what they're doing in the nicest sense because Tony Bloom, who owns it, just seems to just like doing it. Yeah, That's his thing. And they bought... Um, which What's the Belgian team that they bought? Genk. I don't think it's Genk, but it's they bought a Belgian team. And it's basically just because that team was qualifying for Europe and Tony Bloom and his mates fancied owning a club that's in Europe. It's... Uh... Royal Union San Gilbert. There we go. And yeah, they're just like, oh, we think European football would be interesting and a learning experience. Like we might gain some knowledge that we can use at uh, Brighton and also we'll have a laugh. Union, so like, Union SG, they are known as colloquially, by the way. Are they the ones who Thomas Christiansen took over for a while? No, he didn't buy, but managed. I can't remember. Possibly. Anyway, so just, they just have that attitude of like, why don't we just be really good at running a football club because it'll be a laugh. Whereas... Andrea Ratrizzani, to use a, a local example, seems to be a bit more like, like, oh, how can I be an innovator in the football space? Because there isn't really a lot of that in in Brighton's book, like the whole, the model, like just buy, buy some cheap players, make them better and sell them for loads of money. Oh, the weirdly. Like, make the stadium dead nice. And I put, like they did that thing of putting on mm. uh, local beers for away fans and stuff. And it's not difficult, is it? And it's not like, uh, it's not the Uber of football. It's not Spotify. It's just selling like good beer to people who want a drink away fans at Leeds they'll get to drink in what was once Beeston's finest preeminent if you would uh, like finest restaurant wasn't because I mean Ken's, uh, you, you uh, Howard's under- restaurant wasn't it yeah. you can understand the need for a Michelin starred <laughs> or attempted Michelin starred <laughs> it was essentially Ken's dining room wasn't it yeah. that he decided to build he liked, was, somewhere he liked was when we used that as the away dressing rooms during the, mm. the Covid I think it was Chelsea in particular well, why, why does this look time. like an 80s wine bar <laughs> <laughs> which is essentially where Ken's head was stuck at the time wasn't it it's where Ken's always been it's weird actually following the discussions we were having about season tickets and the need to tear everything down we've just spoken there at length about how good Brighton have been and how well run they are as a club just looked in their four years in the well five years now in the Premier League they've posted losses of £270 million <laughs> so they're really well run and they still lose money that's over the five years over there yeah, they've, yeah. Got, well, they've not posted because accounts are always a year behind therefore Accounted for years in the Premier League, they've lost two hundred and seventy million pounds. Yeah, but yeah. It's, but then again, it's from a an accounting point of view, it's good to lose money because it means you get tax breaks, doesn't it? So you know, so if they're losing money, they, they can offset the losses against future years. So there's there's actually a, I think that's just a loss, you know. Also, is that including transfers? I think so because they've had because they sell someone for fifty million every year, don't they, Moscow? They, they've taken to that recently. Yeah, that's a new thing. In fairness, they yeah. just. They were just sinking money in for quite a while. And don't they forget, were doing pretty well. I was going to say we've got FFP to contend with, haven't we? Profit and sustainability. Yeah. So that's what's that hundred and three million over whatever five years or three years? Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. So they, um, but that's the thing with Tony Bloom not trying to do anything too outrageous. He just has that, like to him, it seems to be worth that mm. just to do, <laughs> just to have his life. It's like, yeah, it's getting into football to try and make. Well, this is what we wonder if Todd Bowley and Clear Lake and the like will discover getting into football to try and make the profits is a lot more difficult than getting into football and just going like, yeah, it's going to cost me quite a lot of money, but um, I get to run a football club and be dead good at it. Um, so. We lost 1-0 down there earlier in the season, which is, that was when we debuted Sammy's Pyjamas kit, wasn't it? I think. Do you I watched the highlights of this earlier? I can't even remember. Yeah, I think so. Will have been, won't it? Yeah, I think so. And uh, it's that classic thing of being okay up to a point under Jesse Marsh, but being still being quite toothless at the same time. There was the Sinistera chance was the main one, which was... It was Aronson cutting in and he, he shot and it went across the box and Sinistera for some reason went with his wrong foot rather than just turning it in at the back post and that was that was probably our biggest chance. Melier made, from watching the highlights anyway, and they were Leeds highlights too so they will have been biased, but <laughs> Melier made some decent saves. We, God, it was the fourth game of the season. We didn't. Oh, it was, um, it was <laughs> the, um, at the start of it, it was Bryn Loss in third place, fifth. And I thought, Jesus, that feels like a very long time ago. Because we, yeah, we'd beaten Wolves, drawn at Southampton, which we should have won, and then we'd beaten Chelsea, and suddenly the world looked all right. We thought, this is it. Mm. Oh, well, Jesse Marsh, carefree in a white shirt on the touchline, untucked. He's a bit unbuttoned. Yeah, relaxed in the, in the South He's Coast, loving it. He's sunshine. loving this Premier League life. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see some of the changes since then. And I was thinking about this with the old uh, um, why Jack Harrison can't cross 
question. And the team is very different mm. to what we had. I mean, what's you know, the lineup? Let's have a look then, shall we? Um, I've got it here, in fact. The, there's not a huge one from the Brighton game. The Chelsea one felt more stark when I was looking at it. But we had Rodrigo up front, Harrison, Aronson, Dan James started. We had Rock around Adams in midfield, Sexy Pirate at left back, Diego Llorente of Roma, Robin Cock, Rasmus Christensen. So out of the back four, there's only Robin Cock still playing. Uh, Mark Rock has not been in the midfield lately. Dan James plays for Fulham. Rodrigo's injured. The bench, we had Hjelda, Rotherham, Drama, Luton, Click, DC United, Forshaw, Leeds General Infirmary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam, but you know, uh, and I call him Adam like he's my mate. Somerville, uh, still here, Sinistera, injured, Gelhart, Sunderland, Sam Greenwood wishes he was Sunderland. So there's big changes there, and it was the thing. There's no excuse really for, you know, Harrison putting the ball into the shed end or wherever it was, but there is a question <laughs> of like never having actually played a game with Jorginho Rutter in any meaningful from the start in the Premier League and what that does to everything else and the he, back he definitely wasn't in the he's no no striker he's going to be in the place as Jackie was hitting the ball so it is worth yeah. saying that but it was um, it reminded me a bit of when Bamford actually played it was a game away to Brighton and they put three their three massive centre backs and two enormous full backs all just around Pat Bamford uh, it was Brighton away and then we were like Harrison and Alioski like crossed to him then like well we can't we, where is he nobody can see Pat Bamford for dunk and <laughs> Um, who was the other who else have they got that's tall all of them Webster and they had even bigger players that's why I think it's why they had to sell Cucurella well, they over, the, uh, over the average height you have to be small. you have to be taller than this yeah, to Dan, ride yeah, Brighton Dan Byrne wasn't it yeah it was just land of the Giants too and, big for a left back so it was all uh, very silly and I had some thoughts along those lines from not just Jackie but the team in general on Saturday how do we get the ball to this French kid who we've never we only met two weeks ago and then we've had we've hardly had time to talk to Javi because we've been travelling up and down the M1 to well, play fake London teams. Let me let me give you some hope, Moscow. I've got loads of hope because we'll we'll uh, we'll bring we'll bring it all back. And we'll like lose S Club Seven, yes. uh, Brighton Hove Albion. Mm. Was, the goal was scored by Pascal Gross, uh, assisted by Leandro Trossard. Trossard now plays for Arsenal, so we can rule that goal out. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's nil. So we're on a par with them. Good. And that's it. That's all I've got. Take a nil nil then. No, we'll 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 win this one. Okay. On what based on what? It's about time we won a game in it again. It's about time we we beat Brighton again. Mm. Got an absolutely awful record against them. We did beat them in twenty seventeen, which was the so that was good. Six <laughs> years. Uh, uh let's see r- if r- any r- people are gonna be playing. Uh no, no, there's no Rodrigo there's not look at there. spotted in Morrison's, which was Matty Mabbott, who um was photographed. Doing a lead salute alongside a grinning Rodrigo is by the fruit and veg counter in Morrison's. Rodrigo appears to have, I think it's a bag of plum, there's baby plum tomatoes in his left hand. Uh, and what's in his trolley? Uh, don't shit. donuts than you've ever seen in your entire oh, life. That's a lot of donuts. I think the fruit and veg is just behind him. I'm not sure he's holding that. Oh God, you might be right. But it looks like a... It was his, it was his birthday though, wasn't it? Yeah, so he'll yeah. have been getting his, um, taking his, his birthday snacks in. And he's wearing a woolly hat. Or, or it's just Weston McKenney's lunch, eh? <laughs> a puffer jacket and some shorts, which is how I like to shop. Christ, Weston McKenney's dad's going to be killed. <laughs> so he was he was photographed in there uh, on the sixth of March, and the tweet suggested that probably back this weekend. It says in quotes, and uh, Matty says, "Yeah, fucking love to hear it." Bamford's supposed to be back as well, isn't he? It was supposed to be just a an embarrassment, a one week thing, an embarrassment of riches, Moscow. So we'll have him. Uh, Sonny Perkins scored a couple for the under twenty ones against. I mean, admittedly, it was. Derby. Dylan scored one as well. Derby of score. Okay. Yeah. yeah he <laughs> he looked, scored a one. He, he, did, he did put on an assist though. He really, he looked really upset about one that he missed as well mm. before but, he scored. He was doing a, a real proper sulk like, and looking to the sky. I mean, it's York Community Stadium in under 21's match and he's uh, shaking his head in the air like he's, um, you know, like he's Messi's Mr. Penalty in the World Cup final. Oh, never, uh, the Argentinian people will never love me. Why am I going to do this? I'll tell you why we're going to win. Brighton will be more expansive now under De Zerbe than they were under Potter. So we tend to fare better structurally against teams that are more expansive. Therefore, we're in with a shout here, boys. He's changed his goalkeeper as well. He's put Jason Steele in because uh, he th- says he's better with his feet. So we've got That's, a, He sounds like a cop. We've got a he? chance against his hands, yeah. Didn't Barnes ever keep called Steele? In my it's head, him. 
Is it him still? Yeah. Jason, Bloody hell. Jason Steele. Clean I'm pretty sure this is where I then leap leap to the... Uh, no, he never, never, never played for Barnsley. Well, then who played for Barnsley? <laughs> and if... Um, if Lamp- well, why Lamp- do we both think Jason Steele played for Barnsley? <laughs> it is, might have been a different one. Is Lamptey back in at right back now? Is he playing down the right? So we could remember that uh, matchup against Junior Furpo mm. when Junior Furpo got booked within about 10 seconds. It's Luke Steele you're thinking of. Oh, his brother. Well, we're both thinking of. Yeah. And Brighton, I mean, you know... They've got the good rep, but let's look at the results. So it, let's let's find reasons why they're not actually. That isn't good. it? Can I say, isn't it great that we're not we're no longer overly concerned by Junior Furpo? Well, he's just a good player, isn't he? Um, he is. <laughs> they okay. They beat West Ham four 0 but West Ham are pathetic and going down. Uh, they beat Stoke one 0 but that's the championship. Um, Newcastle away. I mean, that was postponed. So what did that tell you? Coward, cowardly then. Uh, they lost one 0 at home to Fulham. And we've seen Fulham, they're not that great. Well, we um, should have beaten them in the FA Cup, shouldn't we? Yep. yep. Drew 1-1 with Palace, and Palace are also starting to get a little bit frightened of going down, which is fun. The old M23 um, derby, that is it, Everybody's well. Yeah, they hate each other, don't they? Everybody's welcoming this relegation battle. I'm st- I still think Chelsea could go. Uh, <laughs> they beat Brighton 1-0, which they should be beating them by more. They are Brighton. They Oh, they beat Bournemouth 1-0, the other seaside town. <laughs> Uh, they beat Liverpool 2-1, but it was that bit where everyone was beating Liverpool. 2-2 with Leicester, and we know Leicester are no good. 3-0 against Liverpool again, but as of, as before. Um, 5-1 against Middlesbrough. It's I don't the know why I'm, all season, the, yeah. why I'm bringing the FA Cup into and none this. And none of them count. 4-1 against Everton, but then you put them up against an actual good team, Arsenal, 2-4 defeat. So what does that tell you? Southampton, they beat them 3-1, <laughs> and we're they, better than them. Will they be playing a good team this weekend? Um, yes, yes yeah, they'll be yeah, playing yeah. the mighty Leeds United, the greatest football team that the world's ever seen. They're so. weak at stopping opponents from creating chances, so we'll be fine. We'll have loads of chances and score loads of goals. And they're weak at aerial duels, so finally we might be able to be dominant in the air. Willie Nanto, soaring. Would you put him back in? Yes, at the expense of what Somerville, Jacqueline, Jacqueline. I thought Somerville did pretty well against. He's he's weird as Somerville because he's got some fairly big problems with his game but he also looks like one of our most dangerous players on the ball well, he's very creative going forward isn't he but he does tend to leave us a little bit exposed if he doesn't track back yeah I think, I think he might be useful in getting the best out of Luke Ayling by just right pissing him off constantly right because he he does I don't think he he works to the uh, extent that Ayling would appreciate to help him mm-hmm. defensively and I think that maybe gives Ayling something where he's like fine fucking hell I'll do it all myself and Ayling's like bombing up and down the the right side like Prime Mel still and then running back. If he's not going to fucking defend, I'll fucking do it. And he got, he's got that thing like you can shout at him like, fucking come on, Cree, you're not helping me at all. And it just makes him play uh, loads better while Somerville can concentrate on attacking, which he's much better at. So it's the best of both worlds and I quite like their little uneasy relationship. It's like, um, I'm more into that than I was with uh, Pat Bamford who seemed to have the like his once per match thing of marching back to the penalty area to have a go at Max Verber about something. That's I wonder if maybe that's behind his leg injury where Verber's just asked him politely not to do that anymore through the medium of like kicking his knees off. Um <laughs> but the the ailing Somerville tension is quite exciting. And then Harrison and Furpo, I think they're just not they're that's the danger with dropping Harrison is those two really get along. And I think they maybe you need them. It was telling against uh, Scum as soon as Harrison went back to the left and was playing with Furpo. That's when um, was in no, it was Southampton. That's when we scored. Harrison went back to that wing. We re- reunited Jackie and Junior. And what's happening? The people are playing. It was Harrison back healed it to Junior, wasn't it? In their penalty area, the whole thing was just beautiful. And so we need those relationships. Could, we were talking before about this how, is like what kids who play FIFA call the chemistry, the chem. Well, exactly. There's yeah. a lot of new players there getting used to each other. So when you've got Jackie and Junior, Luke and Cree, solid wings. Now we use them. Nothing can possibly go wrong in the middle. And then you've got you know Weston and Tyler, best buddies. So that should be working. And then we're essentially creating like a, a club-wide buddy movie, aren't we? Then yeah. And then it's just a matter of not leaving Rutter alone. Verber and Cock are just delighted to be able to trade German-Austrian kind of familiarities. Famously friends, going back some... See this, well... As a, as a nation, I mean. It's a common... There's a shared <laughs> language there. And I think Robin Cox kind of person will be friends with absolutely anybody, so I don't think there's a problem. But I think they'll be, they'll be fine. So it's just a matter of... Well, actually, yeah. 
it's just occurred to me. It's like, who who can be friends with Jorginho Rutter or his uh, his translator, Ilan Melier, who was... Uh, help, shout, shout from the back. Helping him understand Bryn Law's questions and with a very wry little smile on his face, uh, almost as if he was laughing at some of Jorginho's lack of capability in French. Well, Jorginho can, was kind of saying like, can I just, can what I just is the you? word for this? And Ilian was like, did you not go to school? Let me just stop you there because uh, you're talking about um, laughing at that. Uh, reports this week in Kicker in Germany that uh, Jorginho Ruth was crying at the prospect of having to come to Leeds United and had to be convinced yeah. basically at gunpoint. As I will be on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Three home wins. <laughs> but then he met Ilian, didn't he? I Do you think, well, I reckon we might stick Rocker back in for this because they've got, well, since we last played them, they've got a £100 million midfielder and a World Cup winner, haven't they? Because Arsenal tried buying Caicedo and McAllister went and did that thing. So I think we will put more people into midfield to beat them. Mm-hmm. And we will. Good lad. It will be interesting to see what Javi Gracia has done with a full week. Because he had his full day, he had his afternoon after the work permit before Southampton. And then, if you assume Sunday was like a recovery day, Monday, Tuesday, you're travelling to Fulham. Wednesday, recovery. Thursday, send, training. Them. Send Rodrigo off to Morrison's to get loads of donuts. Yeah. And then sugar. Uh, well, no, this was the week before. And then Friday, we were traveling down to play Chelsea again. So it's only after the Chelsea game that you could really go on that. Right. Monday to Friday, I've got them every single day. And I can say to them, what I want you to do is score goals. And just every day, probably texting them as well. It's like, <laughs> lads, key message. Really want to instill this. Score goals. Here in Yorkshire, we don't like waste. So with energy consumption front of mind these days, there's a lot of focus on conserving it and minimising waste. Boxed have loads of great advice on their website about how to use your heating system as efficiently as possible to help keep your energy bills down should you leave your heating on all the time or switch it on and off as needed. Boxed will help you answer that question and plenty more and save you plenty of cash in the long run too. You could save up to £1,150 a year by upgrading to a new, more efficient boiler and using a Google Nest learning thermostat. Boxed, take away the hassle of upgrading your boiler to a brand new A-rated one. The process starts on the website, couldn't be easier. Installation is carried out by an expert, qualified installer and is included in the price. 0% finance is available, subject to status. Boxed will give you a fixed, fair price in just 90 seconds. And as a listener to this show, you can save an additional £50 on your online quote by using the code TSB50. So just head to boxed.co.uk, that's B-O-X-T.co.uk, and use that code TSB50 to upgrade your boiler and save money now. Let's do part three of the show now then, and that is Heroes and Villains, the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award nominations for Chelsea Bastards, uh, various Chelsea nominations, Todd Bowley specifically, Ben Chilwell specifically for Farner. In the Leeds corner, we've got Leeds as a concept, uh, Jackie, Bamford's body, Melier and McKenney. Elsewhere, we've got the concept of corners. Jesse Marsh gets a, um, a mention as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he always crops up in these still. And I was saying as well that um, we're resurrecting, you your book of petty grievances, Moscow, mm. in which we listed things that sort of mildly annoyed us, but weren't really worthy of giving the award to. I've started a new petty grievances category and going into that is London. Matt isn't a fan of London. And the Nets, Boney M suggesting that the Nets are too small for us. An opinion that is... Uh shared and amplified in the next issue of the square ball that is out on uh, Saturday. So to read more about Boney M, well, I mean, Boney M didn't write it, <laughs> but to read more about what we presume Boney M is thinking by just like telepathy. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> You'll that. You'll find it in the mag. Yeah, thank mm. you. Uh, so of the Chelsea bastards, anybody stand out for you there? Well, Ken Bates for Frank Lampard mm-hmm. has been nominated. I didn't see much. Are we, are we petty grievance in them or are we sticking them in the bastards? It's more than... Petty grievances for those, particularly Bates. He's a fucking huge grudge. So I, there are a few people in this world that I dislike more than Ken Bates. Although so. I do look at their stadium frequently, like I saw their Champions League game against Dortmund last night, and I always look at it and laugh. I thought that stadium's it's too small for what you're trying to do, and that's Ken's fault. And also, he wanted to build flats and hotels. It's architecturally disgusting, mm. which is uh, well done. Well done to Ken. He loved that sort of beige brick, eighties business it, park. It's kind of a, it's quite a lot of in Leeds. Looks like that actually. The not like that. Well, it's just a sort of generic. Um, 80s, 90s office look. There's, yeah. a fa- there's too much of it about. There is a brand. Is it the Leeds office? It's known as or something. The like Leeds, that. the Leeds look. That's it. Was the kind of uh, postmodern vibe where it was like red brick with sort of blue detailing mm. on there. Um, the the classic. Well, the most exuberant 
the most boring example and the most exuberant <laughs> example are opposite each other at the bottom of Westgate. There's, I think it's called Westgate House. It's the sort of big orange brick tower block that's there in the roundabout as you're going out towards Burley. And opposite that is the Magistrates Court, which is a bit more of a Lego show. Yeah. There. If you go down Dock Street as well... I think they're, they're refurbing Westgate House, aren't they, at the minute? They may well be. That's exciting, isn't it? But, um, Leads architectural developments for you here on uh, on the Square Ball yeah. podcast. Anyway, we're... The courts opposite, yeah, uh, also is like that red brick. Looks business. a bit like a sort of a, a Playmobil type building, doesn't it? Yeah, like a Lego. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Todd Bowley gets a. a ref, uh, we won't understand the reference sadly because we were. We were. I think we were all listening on the radio. But he says the the world feed shots of him because it kept the camera pa- kept panning to him. Oh, hi to you if you saw that. We didn't. But it was. Yeah. Adam Pope didn't mention it on the, the commentary. No. Seen the highlights since, so mm. I am aware of this. And um, who's, yeah, who's William Devane? He looks like a shit William Devane. He he, he does actually. Yeah, he's an actor. I, you, right. You'll recognise his face. All right, let's up. Let me Google him. You'd think he'd have um, smartened up. Claudia Schiffer was there. Ah, yeah. I read in the uh, sports section of the Daily Mail, told me that she was looking splendid. There were some pictures, so that's good. That's <laughs> that's what you get for following Chelsea, is you get to know that Claudia Schiffer attended the game. Jake in Florida mentions Bill, Ben Chilwell. I developed kind of a, a really passionate dislike for Ben Chilwell. Was it just because he was getting too much space down that left hand side, or was it something to do with his hair? I'm well, not I, quite I sure. I think what Jake it was. from Florida probably captures it saying Mason Mount wasn't active so like a little bitch so Ch- Chilwell yeah. took on his pissy role yeah. he does have that sort of a face doesn't he was it him that Melier grabbed yeah and really just settled everything I yeah. loved that yeah. so I, I so much time for Melier yeah and Brendan Aronson's bench press picks out Fofana whenever I hear Fofana I hear the, the Rihanna song Fofana what's mm. my name <sighs> terrible uh, anyway he had another go after having missed the chance in the first half had another go greedy and shameless correct in the Leeds corner I think related to that is, oh. the, is going straight to Melier off of uh, Fafana because he's getting some criticism for his positioning is terrible for the goal. But if you're just going to keep giving Fafana free headers at him, um, there's only so many times he can be um, well positioned to stop a good header of a football just being allowed to head it at you constantly. I will have nothing against Ilan Melier this week. I'm not in the mood for it. Um, Jackie's getting some pelters as All well. All this. Yeah. Uh, but again, we don't need to dig out leads too much. You know, nobody's going to benefit from it, from uh, from us saying our players are bad, are they? Uh, elsewhere, yeah, the concept of corners, Tom doesn't like it. Annoying. Can we say our players are broken? <sighs> Can we get annoyed about that? Let's put it in a positive. Let's see that they need. Let's say that they need to improve. Yeah. So what could be more excitement than the opportunity for improvement? And people, people are upset as well. Scrooge in particular, not happy at Jesse Marsh for bringing on Rodrigo in that um, FA Cup game because it's cost us down the line. I don't mind having a go at him. Fine. Uh, who's your uh, villain of the week? Ken Bates, villain of the week. Ken Bates? We can't give it to him, can he? Those are the rules. Mm. Mm. That's true. We could annoy, it would probably piss him off if it's Todd Bowley. Bowley? I don't know how really to say it. If Todd got it, not Wisconsin Todd who nominated him. I didn't realise we got into like a Todd on Todd rivalry. The I hate Todd on Todd crime. Um, Todd Carty involved? Could have been. Todd from, Todd from Neighbours as well, was it Todd Landers? I wonder what Bates thinks of Todd. Or I'm thinking of Todd Flanders. Because the um, Chelsea's owners is getting progressively more and more rich since Ken Bates left. What do, what sort of what do you think he thought when he looked at the world feed and saw Todd in the stands? Been in that bloody ration. Yeah, and his gangsters. Um, what is it not down my hotel? Which is actually the best bit of Chelsea. Under the bridge. I'm going strong. That's the night. That's a nightclub, isn't it? Is it still going under yeah, the bridge? I feel like you know this. I mean, yes, I was there just the other week. <laughs> I, think I, feel like, I feel like you'd be up to date on it. It's these. definitely there as a space, isn't it? I think at Chelsea. Yeah, it's under the, the old, is it the West Stand or whatever? That... Oh, when you search under the bridge, you get apparently there's a red hot chili, apparently there's a red hot chili pepper song that's more famous than a, a nightclub under a stadium. Unbelievable. Any thoughts on the All Saints version? Better. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, an interesting hill to die on. Good luck, Moscow. <laughs> uh, player of the year scores, by the way. So the Chelsea scores came in. We've not am- even named who we're giving it to. Uh, yeah, you, you just said, didn't you? Who was no, it? No, uh, because there was some chat about. Give uh, it to Chilwell. Yeah, I was going to say Fine. Chilwell. Yeah, he sort of represents Chelsea in the best way. Right. Um, so also, when they beat uh, Dortmund last night, I caught the end of that, and he was being a right little teacher's pet around Graham Potter. Like you can tell which players are kind of like not really into him. And then the other ones were going, like, oh, Graham, Graham, we did it for you. And yeah. he was like, he was one of them. No one likes it. Under the Bridge, by the way, is, its own website describes it as the most, London's most unique venue. That's, I mean, London, that's a lie. London's a big place. It's also like illiterate. 
<laughs> you can't be the most unique. If there are three things that are unique... They're all unique. They're all equally unique. Mm. One cannot be more unique than the other, so shut the place down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chelsea scores, right. So the average versus Southampton for player of the year... Um, the scores by our TSB Plus members were 6.82 average versus Southampton. 5.36 this time for Chelsea. Not a good day for Jackie Harrison scoring under 3 out of 10. Um, and Robin Cock was our uh, man of the match. Going lower than the referee is always the... It's a bad sign. It's always it? the bad the bad mark, is that? Because referees never get above like 4. Robin Cock, a fraction under 6.4 out of 10 was our star performer with Junior Furpo keeping that average bumping up. Defence all did all right. Yeah. I'm glad Robin got player of the match because he's good, isn't he? Yeah, and overall scores for the, the Player of the Year award. Nonto still out in front with the score. The only one with a score over 7 out of 10 average for the season, but it's creeping down because he's kind of, he's been left out, hasn't he? So he's not played there and it's, you know, has an impact when you come off the also, bench. Also, people are giving him lower scores because he's not playing as well. Yeah, there is that. And uh, Javi Gracia, though, scoring quite highly and Tyler Adams and Max Verber still up there in the top three or four. Uh, Gitana Barati, Hero of the Week awards in the Leeds corner, Javi Gracia, Furpo, Melier, Somerville, Ailing. Verber and Cock all received and nominations. Mm. No? Uh, outside okay, outside the non-Leeds nominations, uh, Reese Nelson gets a mention for that kick in the teeth against Bournemouth. And honourable mentions as well. These are people who are not going to win, but definitely deserve a mention. Liverpool, such yeah. a special bunch of people. Yeah, it was good, that. I don't want them doing it on the regular, but against Scum. Yeah, they can do Go it ahead. on the regular against Scum. Yeah. Uh, Cammy and Milner for their MBEs. Well done to you. And Cammy obviously got the assist to get Leeds United promoted in 1990. James uh, Miller had his birthday cake with Terry Venables. That was nice. Yeah. And forever 16. And scored a goal against Chelsea, didn't he, as well? Milner. So. Uh, and finally, um, Calvin Phillips is getting a little bit of love just because we no longer have him. Jason wants to give him a mention. A player that could tackle and pass. What a novelty. Anyway, in the Leeds corner, who are the main candidates for you for the award this week? M- Melier for his attempt on goal. That would have been so good. Our best attacker. Potentially in that game against Chelsea, there was a good save in there as well. And he's just, and yes, and Alice has pointed out uh, uh, giving Chilwell a kind of like a boa constrictor so that Tyler didn't end his life. Um, it was great the way he just appeared from absolutely nowhere and just no, no, and pinned his arms to his side with just one movement. Um, big fan of that. Didn't really care about the rest of the game. That was good. Um, Javi's nomination comes from Andy in Salford who says it's not his fault he's coaching the Victor Auto Broken Toys under 19s which I think we're in that sort of mood aren't we at the minute The Broken Toys are older in fairness at the moment aren't they it's, yeah. uh, it's Rodrigo and Bamford who are letting us down so badly by being injured but yeah it's interesting actually on the scores how the defenders are now all doing fairly well since we've stopped playing such an insane system at the back mm. you can see some semblance of organisation there so they're not horribly exposed in the same way as we were equally you could say the attack doesn't look great. Attack. Not very attacky, is it? Quite defendy. Although, yeah. I mean, there have been chances out there against Fulham. We should, Gra- if we had taken them. Gracia made the point after Chelsea, wasn't he, that since he's been here, we've scored one against Southampton and conceded one to Chelsea. Fulham is Fulham, but it was, um, you know, the FA Cup and just a bit awkward how we just kept missing. Uh, if we hadn't fluffed all those chances the way we did, you just got that now. So it's not been, it's not, we're not George Graham's leads yet. And we're, we're just building from the back, Moscow, aren't we? That's what we're doing. Well, yeah, it's good that we, you know, didn't concede more to Southampton or to Chelsea. Um, wouldn't have made much difference at Chelsea. Did make a difference at Southampton. But like I said before, it's kind of starts from now and it. We'll see what you can do with them this week by encouraging them towards the goal. <laughs> yes, do, do more of that. On that point, uh, yeah, Verber and Koch, um both nominated uh, Scrooge for Baron von Koch. Played superb all game and has been ten times. I said uh, ten times the player since his reliable neighbour showed up. I think Cox's been good all season, hasn't he? Has he's, he? Yeah, I think so. So why Newcastle are going to sign him? Well, this is it. The one is that the rumour? They want to if they want that double swoop for Cox and Harrison, and then we'll watch them ascending to Champions League heights. But yeah, I think Cox's been good. And Verber, whether he's been the, the key man in Cox uh, playing well or not, is good. Or is Fer- new Furpo the key to it all? As Wedge says, Furpo, he's a whole new player. I don't understand one single bit of it. He's calm and composed, was playing left back, then was sent to forward apparently, then just said, fuck it, I'm now a DM and did well in the middle of the pitch. Don't think he was put there tactically or anything. He just runs the show now. Yeah. Uh, who's your winner? Mm. Is it Verba? Mm. Cock would be better on the ratings if we're just gonna if we're just gonna dish it out to a centre back. Yeah, I would be dishing it to Cock because it's all very well. Verba turning up in January, he's had to suffer years of this. 
And this will be the thing that persuades him to just sign a new contract. I mean, who is it did, didn't he? Uh, what's the lad called? Llorente. Llorente signed a new he contract. Did, he did. Yeah, it didn't hold him back. No. So, uh, <laughs> it's gone from strength great. to strength. Well done, Robin Cock. Is that, Played is that a whole what, one minute for uh, Roma. <laughs> is that what we're saying then? Cock's having it, is he? Yeah, go on. He's a good lad and he, he, um, he helps out with that children's farm, doesn't he? I'm not sure how I feel about necessarily farming children, but apparently, apparently it's free range. Um, <laughs> there's a, a children's adventure farm that he pretty much as soon as he arrived, I think because there are nice people in this world and some of them are footballers, he was like, right, I'm going to support a charity. What's a good one? And there's a... It's a, that farm where they farm children. He founded a... Yeah. He let them out of their cages. Children's farm. Can you find... You're looking for it. Can you um, find the name? Give it a shout um, out. Linnehan Farm. There you go. Hmm, good. So he's... Uh, He's just a good fella. I know. No, I was going to, no. Uh, I was thinking about Liverpool and do we need to acknowledge their role in, in giving us something good to cling on to this week? But we have. We've mentioned them. They I have know. the honourable mention. Liverpool will give themselves enough praise. Yes. Yeah, that's true. If I, know, if I know them, like I think I do. <laughs> Chasing yes. a Valt Weghorst across the north for daring to touch the This Is Anfield sign. So in a fairly fallow week, Robin Cock yeah. is, the, is the winner. But don't let, don't let that detract from the honour. Robin. Yeah. It's a very prestigious <laughs> Even award. Though some of it is farming based. Um well done all the same. Yeah, there you go. That's the uh the weekly show done then for this time. Back next week for more, shall we? Mm. Back on Saturday after Brighton. Yes, we've got the match ball on Saturday. Saturday tea time, UK time. Uh, is it tea time? It, no, we're playing at three o'clock, but we'll be, be we'll be in here. At tea oh, okay. Time, Christ, yeah. I thought the move kickoff. I was gonna say I was gonna turn up a lot earlier. Yes, than Michael, it is. <laughs> Right, I'll turn up on time. I'll so che- says, I'll, I will check this. It says in my uh, automatically updated diary entry for iCal or whatever it's called. I'll get, I'll get there for the start of the game. Probably. Three o'clock, it's saying. Ellen Road. Good. On, uh, As on it Saturday. should be. So I'll see, I'll see you back down here after that and we will, uh, we'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.